up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. And so today, we wanted to start a new mini-series talking about the high-value man. So what is a high-value man? And the reason why I wanted to begin with this one is because what a high-value man is, it used to be, I guess to some extent, it still is thought that the FDS version of a high-value man is a man who is 666, so a six-inch dick, a six-figure income, and over six feet in height. And that came from the subreddit where a user posted, I mean, she wrote a post about, you know, like her own preferences and standards in a man, which is absolutely fine. But then I guess the mainstream took that away and they ran with it. And so it tends to be that people tend to conflate things such as having a big dick, having a high income, being good looking with being high value. And we just basically wanted to clear up the misconceptions around that and to actually state what being like high value man actually is and what they look like. That was like one person who said that. And then they're like, this is what everyone at FDS wants, right? They just treat women like a monolith. I mean, people did agree with her, but it wasn't ever anywhere. Like it wasn't official FDS, like, you know, 101 that they have to meet all that criteria to be high value. Honestly, that was kicking around the manosphere for a very long time. That was how things like the red pill and other types of manosphere dating jargon was used is that 666 was essentially to be a high value man. You had to have these types of characteristics because it would make women more sexually attracted to you. But it wasn't the canon definition of what a high value man was for FDS, although we don't standard shame. So if you want that, we don't tell you you can't have that, right? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say, first of all, like men will shame women for our preferences for the whole 666 thing as if we're supposed to be like, no, no, it's okay if you don't have a six and shake. It's okay if you don't make that much money. It's okay if you're not that tall. Like, I'll accept you anyways, kind of thing. I don't want to say, first of all, I embrace that. I actually fully embrace women who have that as a standard and I won't apologize for that. It's not my standard, but if other women have that standard, I support that. But what's funny about the 666 is that it brings out the scrope mathematics. Then you get men doing all sorts of calculations to say like, men over six feet. Only 0.0463% of the population fits the standard. <laughs> it brings out the scrope mathematics. <laughs> You're never going to find a man. <laughs> when they start saying shit like, men over six foot four, like 0.2% of the population. <laughs> this series for the women who may not have a height standard there are you know women who don't care about height and also the income standard as well so i know like for example in the uk you don't actually need to earn like six figures before you are very very comfortable it's actually quite a minority of people who earn that much like this is an actual scrape mathematics this is like general (laughs) general statistics but even still like you don't actually need to earn over six figures to have a very comfortable lifestyle now i know that might be different depending on where you live so if you're in a major city like London or New York or somewhere else that might vary but it's also just to show that being high value isn't necessarily what's on the surface the clue is really in the name it's a lot more about their values which we'll go into 
Yeah, like you can live a very happy life at $50,000 a year. I mean, it depends on where you are. Yeah, I mean, not in Vancouver, no. In like a small town outside of Vancouver, probably. For Vancouver, I'd say my minimum income requirement is 75k. I mean, for me personally, I would always say like, I just want the man to earn like more than me, purely because if we ever decide to have children, because I'm still on the fence about it at the moment, it's a no, but possibly in the future, if I then go on maternity leave, then our income is going to be like massively cut in half. So he should always be earning more to make up for that. That's just my opinion anyway. No, I agree. Yeah. And leading on to that as well. And so if we go back to what a the FDS definition of what a high value man is, it's essentially a man with good values. Certain values, I would say, should be non-negotiable. He has to add value to your life as well. He has to add value to your life. Yeah. So on its face, a high value man is just what it sounds like. It's quite literally a man who adds a lot of value to your life. And when we talk about the difference between a high value, a negative value, a zero value man and a low value man, we're talking about like the different levels of benefit that they bring to your life in a tangible, measurable way. It basically, the only litmus test basically, is your life better off with him in it? If the answer is no on any front, then he's not high value, in my opinion. And that's factoring in both his actual contributions as well as opportunity cost, because every time you spend time with a man who's not up to par, you're actually costing yourself the ability to look for someone else. Yeah. Or if he's worse than just you single, then it's worse than your baseline of being single should be already pretty high, right? Like, you know, that's the other thing is like, if your life is in the gutter, and you're literally at rock bottom, then yeah, any man is going to seem high value compared to where you're at, right? So that's why we tell women also you need to level up so that your baseline of being single is already pretty good. So that when a man comes along, you know, he has to be better than your baseline to be high value. And just off the back of that as well, I completely agree with, you know, what was just said, but also most importantly, he has to be better in isolation. So when I say that, I mean, like some women will compare their current man with their previous relationships. But if all the previous relationships were low value, even though you think there might be an improvement there, he still might be low value. So you have to look at him in isolation. You can't rationalize it by saying, you know, well, you know, my ex-partner beat me and this guy doesn't. Therefore, you know, he's better. You can't really look at it like that, especially if we acknowledge the fact that there is a pandemic of, you know, low value men out there. The chances of a woman dating at least one in her lifetime is extremely high. You can't be comparing like shit to shit, basically. You have to look at each in isolation and make a judgment based on that. And so off the back of the values as well. So like Rose said, he has to add, you know, tangible and also non-tangible values to your life as well. But even though we've said that certain aspects of a man such as his income to some degree his looks because different strokes for different folks are negotiable there are certain values that should be non-negotiable in a high value man so things like being honest things like being loyal generous kind he doesn't watch porn like all those sorts of things they should be non-negotiable if a man is high value i realize i'm setting the bar quite high here to be honest well actually not high yeah i I do want to almost say that like A lot of women will say that based on what we say a high value man is that there's no such thing as a high value man. Because like, if we say a high value man is like honest, and he doesn't watch porn, that that alone is gonna like, eliminate probably like 99% of the male population. And I will say like high value men, first of all, it's like a spectrum, there's some men who are higher value than others, even within the high value man, it's like, there's some that are really high value that are like, there's some that are like, medium high value, you know what I mean? Like, so I will say that like, 
there are men who are high value. They do exist and they are rare, but, and there are men out there who are pretending to be high value. And so that's why it's important to be able to vet, but they do definitely exist. Also, quite frankly, like I think by saying like high value men don't exist or that they can exist, I think that just sort of reinforces like male low quality ness. You know, I feel like with men, I find that just in my day to day, like, personal interactions with men when you set the bar high for men most of the time they will jump Uh, some men will just stay on the ground you know if they're just like if they don't want to jump they won't kind of thing i wouldn't say date a man based on potential but if your standards are high and he's really into you he'll work to meet those standards yeah agreed I also think as well that, I guess, somewhat contrary to what is often believed, there is no, like, pocket that is, you know, teeming to the brim of high-value men. I genuinely believe that they can be found anywhere in any you know, social class in any tax bracket across all heights, maybe not for me because heights are negotiable, but even still, but for other women, they can be found anywhere as well. So when women, I guess, you know, part of the reason also why I wanted to do this, this series is that sometimes when people are trying to figure out a dating strategy, we, that we can perhaps end up cutting off our options as opposed to expanding them. So even though this might be an unpopular opinion, but I even think that high value men can also be found on online dating as well. Yes, their their filtering system might be different and they will be a lot harder to find, but I still think it's possible to find a high value man online as well. So so when you're looking for a high value man, bearing if we accept the fact that yes, they are rare, but yes, they can also be found in a lot of places, even in places where you would think that there aren't any there at all. I think it's also important to keep an open mind where possible and not to inadvertently write an entire section or an entire hobby or an entire place off in in terms of finding a high value man. Another thing as well that I wanted to tackle, because again, FDS gets this a lot in the sense that we ask a lot from men, but we expect him to have no standards as well. And that we just want a guy who will serve us uh, for eternity and treat us like queens. I mean, some women might want that, in which case more power to them. They deserve it as well. But also it's important to acknowledge that a high value man will also have standards for themselves and for other people. Um, And so if you think about it, for example, let's say you wanted to have an operation, you wouldn't trust a surgeon who just accepted anybody in terms of their pre-op testing, in terms of you know whether or they are suitable for the surgery, for example, that would be a mark of a bad surgeon. So similarly, it sort of used to make me confused when on the subreddit, we would see women saying that a high value man will just accept you just because like they will also have their own standards. Or they'll love you no matter what. No, that's not true. High value men have high standards too. Yeah, they have high standards. And also the data doesn't support that. We know that, you know, the entire trope that the millionaire marries the maid is just like by and large fantasy. Like most men, they will marry a woman they deem to be on their level in terms of social class, in terms of education class, and even to some degree in terms of looks as well. So this idea that a high value man is basically just a doormat who will just accept you because, because you're a woman. And again, it's also, it wasn't ever a philosophy that FDS ever pushed. It was perhaps a few people. And then it just became this whole, oh my gosh, FDS are queens who just want men to serve them. And they've got nothing to offer. Completely ignoring the fact that we had a whole subreddit dedicated to leveling up, FDS level up as well, for that reason. 
I feel like men who browse the subreddit, and this is partially why we don't have the subreddit anymore, is just because they take like random commenters who could be newbies or whatever, and then take that as like FDS canon. But they're looking for things that make them angry already anyways. So they're kind of just looking for things that already confirm their pre-existing biases or suspicions or whatever, right? And so, I mean, the men who hate FDS, like they don't want to understand us anyways. Like, I mean, if they understood FDS, honestly, like they'd probably have to look at themselves a lot more critically and they don't want to do that right they're just looking for an excuse to dismiss us right women are just going to carry on having high standards anyways and they can just die mad so (laughs) off the back of that as well though it's also important to remember that the way and we'll do probably a separate episode on this in the future but the way you deal with a high value man isn't necessarily the same way that you deal with a low value man now obviously your standards and boundaries will be the same and you'll still vet them the same way but the way you interact with a high value man it it has to be slightly different i got the impression on the subreddit as well when women were discussing like vetting strategies that they wanted to treat all men the same so strategies that worked on low value men or like worked in quotation marks because the relationship always blew up because it was low value they would try and use that on high value men and like that's not going to work because if you are treating I mean, generally speaking, you know, women treat like low value men in a certain way, like generally speaking, and usually it's less than stellar because they are low value. If you then go and take those sorts of attitudes and behaviors to somebody who is high value, I understand where it's coming from. It can be a protection mechanism. It's a vetting strategy, but you also potentially run the risk of putting the kind of, or putting the kinds of men that you are seeking to attract, you may end up putting them off entirely as well. A good example is I came across in the subreddit where a user said she doesn't say thank you to men. Okay, that's dumb. Like, that's how you get guys to do stuff for you is by, oh my God. (laughs) But firstly, it's dumb. And also a high value person will think that's rude. Like, I would think it's rude. If I did something nice for a guy and he didn't say thank you, I would think you're just rude. I think, I don't know if that's like the rad femme cell crowd where they think like politically, if you ever do anything nice for a man that you're like betraying, if you don't treat men like shit 24 seven, you're a bad <laughs> feminist. And so if you smile at a man, you're harming women as a class and you're setting back women's liberation, a full generation like that, that crowd. Yeah. So I want to say, first of all, that's dumb as fuck. Like the way that you get men to do stuff for you, men will go to hell and back for you just for a few words of like positive reinforcement like understand that most men even you know high value men you know can be quite lonely actually and they don't get many compliments either at all yeah men in general don't get a lot of compliments they don't get a lot of like positive reinforcement so what you want to do is weaponize that to its fullest potential that's exactly what i'm saying like honestly (laughs) (laughs) people think i just go around verbally abusing men all the time that's not true at all actually like the men that i know in real life they think i'm very nice i use very strategic flattery i like find out what they're insecure about i find out what makes them feel like a man and i give flattery and corrections based on their deepest insecurities maybe this makes me a bad feminist but yeah like sometimes i'll just like say things that you know (laughs) just flattery that like i'm trying to think of an example that won't get me dragged but like basically like yeah like oh my gosh you're such a big strong man kind of thing oh my gosh you're so strong like that kind of stuff like the guy's lifting shit for me like they will remember that compliment for like years kind of thing right like that'll be something that they think about anytime they're feeling sad if you can be basically like the valve on their self-esteem men will do anything for you (laughs) That's also why you should ask men to do stuff for you as well. They love that shit. 
Self-esteem comes from esteemable acts. And so if you ask men to do stuff for you and praise them for it, you're giving them good self-esteem. So actually you're doing a really good thing for them. And you're getting something out of it as well. Yeah. And if they act really arrogantly or really poorly, then you know what you're dealing with. It's actually a vetting strategy as well. Tell the difference between a man who I give a compliment to who's like sincerely appreciative or at least like acknowledges it. And then like super arrogant, full of themselves men who are so insecure, they can't ever show that anything you say has an effect on them. Even if it's positive, those are men you want to immediately get out of your life. On the flip side to that as well, if a guy is always like fishing for compliments and just generally just being like annoyingly excessive, constantly seeking praise, that's also weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. If he's very emotionally needy and constantly fishing for compliments, that's also, I mean, those men have their place. They can also still be useful, but uh, I probably wouldn't date them. There are some men that just like go through life trying to be stoic and shit. And then like you give them a compliment and they're just like, oh, like they'll have a moment of kind of like, oh, that felt good. Like, oh, my <laughs> oh my god, someone said something nice to me. And they kind of don't know how to react for a second. <laughs> for some reason, I got a, a visual of Will Ferrell and Elf just now, just like discovering everything new. <laughs> <laughs> like a pretty girl smiles at them and says something nice to them. Like men will remember that shit forever. Okay, they love that. And again, like this is something that I feel like the black pill community would drag the fuck out of me for because, oh my God, you did something nice for a man. It means you hate women. Like, no, you just have to be strategic. Yeah, be strategic. Touch grass, literally go outside. <laughs> <laughs> interact with people yeah just being a jerk all the time won't i almost want to give them like that old school book like how to win friends and influence people i mean that that's <laughs> yeah. just very basic 101 and like people skills it's basic social skills yeah exactly like <laughs> so when your feminism conflicts with basic people skills <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to be very effective. And that's that's part of the problem. It's not going to be good for you. And it's not actually going to challenge the dominant value system as well. It's easy to dismiss then. And it sucks, but it's true. Yeah. And also, it will also upskill the entire class as well. If other men see, you know, men who treat women well getting everything that they wanted, then either they will try to step up and be like those men because men, they do look at what other men are doing or they won't and they will just crash out of the gene pool. So it's a win-win even for men. Yeah. Also, I wanted to follow up with my, you know, complimenting men thing. I also wanted to say actually that most men are so attention starved. They rarely receive positive attention. I think a lot of men have a maladaptive coping mechanism where even negative attention is still seen as attention to them. And so ladies, if you're trying to influence men, I would say don't like negatively reinforce things that you don't like. I would just say like, it's like training a dog, like just ignore the behavior that you don't like and positively reinforce the behavior that you do like. Because if you negatively reinforce things that might actually create a weird feedback again because they're so attention starved that they'll do the bad thing over and over and over again to try to get more negative attention the worst thing you can do to men is just ignore him honestly every toxic relationship i was in i had to admit that like i would engage with the negative shit and so what Lilith is saying is spot on you have to disengage completely with that any type of negative behavior gray rock that shit not even gray rock but just like literally be above it because otherwise they'll kind of suck you into that negative pow power dynamic. Yeah, that's true. And it's really, really unhealthy. And that's when you start to get into how sometimes women react poorly because of reactive abuse, etc. Like you have to practice not reacting to men's poor behavior. At minimum, don't react. If you can like poke holes in whatever nonsense they're doing to give them a little bit of self-awareness, if they're repeatedly doing that, then jump ship, abandon ship. <laughs> 
Yeah, if you really want to twist the knife, could like roll your eyes and maybe laugh at him a little bit and just dismiss him. Just be very dismissive at most. Like that's the most interaction you want. Just f- make him feel like a little wounded little boy in that moment. And you know, that's like the only negative emotional reaction that might actually cause him to not do that. But like, again, you, you mainly just have to ignore them. It's just ultimately classical conditioning, ultimately. Exactly. Yeah. And I think honestly, as women, our feminist activism needs to contain at least some, I feel, of like conditioning, you know, of like, this is leadership actually, is just positively reinforcing the behavior that you like and then correcting or ignoring the behavior that you don't like. That's how you influence people to do what you want. And if we're going to change anything as feminists, I don't think changing men like as a class as possible, but a few individual men and rewarding good behavior is something that we can do. Yeah, agreed. And so in terms of other values, and I think that women fall into this trap of they have to be the mirror image of a high value man. So, you know, if their idea of a high value man is say, you know, let's say he's a bodybuilder, they have to be super fit. If he enjoys things like, you know, for example, gaming, there's a difference between being a kuma gamer and just playing with games, by the way. So I'm referring to the latter, not the former, um, that they have to be super into it as well. And I actually think it's actually quite nice and perhaps healthy to have some hobbies or interests that you don't share like necessarily with your partner. Because like, firstly, it's like you don't have to find your mirror image in a partner to have a happy relationship. And perhaps, you know, most importantly, secondly, is that if you have interests or hobbies that your partner doesn't share with you, that will also encourage you to share them with other people. So you can start to build that village of people who do share your interests or some of your interests and hobbies, as opposed to just relying completely on on their partner and their circle of friends. Because I've come across so many women who, you know, let's say they're both into gaming. And obviously gaming is a very, very male dominated field, but this is just an example. And they'll come to find that all their friends are their partner's friends. And as we've spoken about in previous episode where we said that, if all your friends are are sort of in the same friend group as your partner, you have no friends and it's problematic. And also women as well, like you don't have to necessarily strike yourself out just because you're not the mirror image of your idea of a high value man. So let's say if you want a man who is super fit, you don't necessarily have to be that yourself. Yeah, there's actually this TikTok couple where there's, I can't remember their name, but it's a Oh, Alicia McCall, McCallville, Alicia. I saw that one. Is that the one where? Yeah. Where the guy's like a bodybuilder and she's overweight, but they still lift weights together. Yeah, like she still lifts, by the way, but she just happens to be also overweight. And so, oh my God, they're such a cute couple, but they get so much hate and it's so mean. Like, but there are some guys where, yeah, they'll be fit for themselves because that's just the aesthetic they like on themselves. And they just are attracted to curvier women. And like, there are some men who are the opposite, who are doughy themselves and they like women who are fit. We make fun of them all the time. Oh, come on. That's that's like most of the men with tampons. Let's be real. It's most men. <laughs> Let's be real, right? So I want to say, like, just because men can have that kind of audacity, I want to be like, ladies, you are entitled to have that kind of audacity, too. It does not matter what you look like. You're allowed to have your standards. I'm so tired of the body positivity movement being focused on like, oh, all women are beautiful. It's like, who cares if you're beautiful or not? Like, you should still have standards for men. Not being attractive has never not once stopped a man from making demands of women, period. Right? Yes. Thank you, bro. Thank you. (laughs) Just make demands just because you exist and you have a right to look at things that are pleasing to your eyes. Yes, exactly. 
Exactly. And it goes beyond looks as well. It's even things like women just feel like I have to have my shit together. Like I have to be in my dream career. I have to have my own house. Like, and obviously if you want to do that personally, that's fine. I think it also feeds the narrative that women, they have to bring, for example, more to the table in quotation marks to even get a look in from men or even from a high value man. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. I want to say actually like, you know, men often say they'll frame this in a very anti-woman way. They'll be like, men don't want women who want careers like a man who's career oriented he wants like a stay-at-home wife you know he doesn't want a career woman yada 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 kind of thing but i will say though that like most men actually who are wealthy themselves like they do want a woman within the same social class as them most of the time i find that there are a lot of men where they just want a woman that they can be happy with and they don't really care if like high value men do admire women who are ambitious and have goals and interests and hobbies and stuff, but they don't necessarily expect the woman to be at or above him. Like if he's like a doctor, he'll be happy with a woman who's like in med school or, you know, someone who's a nurse or something like that. Right. Like different men like different things as well. Right. So not all men like the exact same thing. Some men actually do want a woman who's really career oriented and like, you know, boss babe kind of thing. Right. Uh, and some men are not as into that. It just depends on the lifestyle that you want. And so I'm I'm very much encouraging people to be honest about how they want to live, how they want their day-to-day to be. Like, just think about and go through your day about how do you want to have your relationship structured. And so when you're thinking about that, that's when it starts to become more obvious about like, okay, what does my partner need to have? And for in order for me to have the relationship that I want. And when it comes to things like status, et cetera, like obviously if you want to take time off and like be a stay at home mom, then like is more important to date a guy who has more finances or who can take care of you on a single income, right? More so than someone else who's like, no, I like my career. I may or may not have kids. And even if I do have kids, I probably won't want to do the stay at home mom thing. Then it probably matters less. You know, we'll never tell you to date a bum by any means, but like, you know, it's just a more or less weighing what you want and a a complex set of factors about what you want and then seeing how you can find a man who fits in with your lifestyle. And I think men are somewhat like that too. They are unfortunately just socialized to always see women as a support role in their life. And so they're very, very like utilitarian when it comes to how they look at women's roles in their life. And it can be very, very oppressive. And basically I'm thinking that like every woman's supposed to structure their entire life around them rather than figuring out finding women whose life is more compatible with theirs. But I think what FDS is trying to do is change the narrative so that women are thinking very strategically about what they want and then what their partner has to have and like what kind of value can that man bring to your life that would actually be really beneficial to you. Yeah. What do you actually want and not do you feel like you have to fit into society's like script of how your life is supposed to be? Yeah. And also I think, you know, what also prevents women from being honest about what they want is, you know, it sort of, you know, goes back to basically the crux of FDS is that they also believe that it's unattainable as well. So that's why they convince themselves that they want a certain type of man, I guess the, the generic man that society says is good for them as opposed to really, really thinking about what it is that they want. Yeah. I think women lower their standards way too much because society always pressures us to settle in things that are actually actually extremely important for our happiness. And then women spend a lot of their relationships being miserable. Men don't like have the same problem, right? 
And like, I think that's entirely not fair. Men are not told to lower their standards to find a wife, right? Like they're told like, no, yeah, she's supposed to cook for you and clean for you. Do this, this, this kind of thing. Like, and even if they do like lower their standards, if she so much as, you know, puts a hair out of line, it's almost carte blanche. Like you should go and cheat or, or they use that to justify seeing prostitutes. Yeah. A lot of men will end up settling by the time they hit their like 30s, late 30s. Like they start to feel that like, oh, I want someone to like be my female caretaker kind of thing. And so they'll just take any woman that will like put up with him in the moment, but they'll always keep one foot out the door. Like they'll always, you know, be open to their dream woman kind of thing. And they'll be doing that till their deathbed. So count on it. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that I will share quite a personal story. So when I was about 18, 17, 18, I can't remember the name of the book for the life of me. I read a really, really good romance novel, like really, really good one. And I really, it was like my first and only, well, not my first and only, but one of the few parasocial relationships that I've developed with a literary character. And then about years later, I met my partner and I remember just thinking that you were exactly like that person in the book. It actually creeped me out so much. Ooh, that's cute. Because like they'd speak the same. They even had like the same name. I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And I think, I think he was a bit like, he wasn't weirded out, but he was so, but he was actually flattered when I told him like, you're actually like this character in the book. He was so flattered by that. He just isn't as rich, but never mind. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so it just goes to show that you can actually have somebody who is like a fantasy in real life. Yeah, honestly, your fantasy man can exist in real life. And basically don't let your shitty low value scrope boyfriend get in the way of finding your dream man. Okay. Like, first of all, like you shouldn't have a boyfriend that's like a good enough for now boyfriend. If you feel like, oh, he's just a temporary boyfriend, you should probably just break up with him. It's that opportunity cost, isn't it? Like every second you spend with a scrope is like less time you could be spending with a guy that you actually want to be with and he'll treat you well. Yeah, never settle, ladies. Eyes on the prize, okay? Like, <laughs> you know, never take your eyes off the eyes off the ball. Also, I just wanted to add that, like, I think you know, people think that it's like weird or unreasonable for women at FDS to want a man that like adds value to our life. I don't know how do I explain this. Like, never been a question that like a wife or a woman in a man's life should add value to his life or make his life easier. Like most men will get a wife because they want someone to be like their caretaker, someone to like cook and clean for them, make their life easier, right? Their mommy bang made. Their mommy bang made, right? It's seen as a given that like it's normal for men to expect their partner to make their life easier. In fact, like that's the whole reason why a lot of men will get into relationships is to have that like life facilitator kind of role, right? It's never been an expectation placed on men that they are supposed to make their partner's life better. Exactly. That's the craziest shit to me. And even in like really, really patriarchal cultures, it's rudimentary at best and it's lip service about a man's role, right? And cultures where the man has like a role to like provide for his family, it's very, very limited and it comes with so many restrictions and like honestly... And so many like costs, like, right? Like, yeah, the man provides for his family, but he is the sole decision maker on all matters relating to like the family or finance and stuff. Eats the big piece of chicken, sits at the head of the table, like makes all the decisions. And it's like, the fuck? It comes with so many benefits, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's also, you know, those sorts of, you know, societal structures, you know, for it to work, the women have to be at the very, very bottom. So in places where, you know, what Rose said is the most extreme, 
you know, women have virtually no rights. So of course, like a shit sandwich is going to taste good if you've been starving for 18 years. Like it doesn't actually improve their life even on any level. It's just, do you know what I mean? It's just less abusive than their previous situation. Yeah. Exactly. If you're so used to having nothing, then then something is going to be seen as an improvement, even if that something is a literal shit sandwich. Yeah. So I feel like women, you know, have never been raised with the expectation that they should add value to the woman's life. I feel like women have also had that same socialization of feeling like it's unreasonable for us to want a man who adds value to our life or that women who do want that are like gold diggers, you know, they're greedy bitches, like, you know, they're, they were selfish, they're evil FDS witches, like kind of thing, you know, or it's even seen as like abusive for women to want a man to do things for them. <laughs> I don't know, like they think like, oh, you'd have to abuse a man into treating you that well or something like that, right? Which is not true. There was a really profound straw poll that was done on the subreddit and you can read the results on the website as well. There was one of the few occasions where the moderators actually allowed uh, men to speak and the question pitched to them was basically, so what value do you add to a woman's life? And the number of men that couldn't even answer the question or they would say things like men built society even though they had fuck all to do with it was actually astonishing. Okay, you didn't build society. I love how they take credit for other great men, right? It's always like, men did this. Did you do that? And other great women as well. Other great women. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Men won't even let women take credit for women's own ideas, right? But men will take credit for other men's ideas, right? What... (laughs) We've always said, like, yeah, if it's one woman who's bad, oh, all women are gold diggers. If it's one man who did something good, oh, men built society, right? But it's like, you're a neat. It's, it's always the neats that are saying that, like, you're, you're contributing nothing to society. Or they'll they'll say something like, oh, I opened jars or whatever, right? It's like, okay, we'll get a jar opener, okay? Like, you don't even need a jar opener, ladies. Like, just do some forearm exercises. Like, train your forearms so that you don't even need a man to open jars for you. Or they'll say stuff like, I protect my wife. And it's like, who are you protecting her from, though? Other men. It's not women and children you're protecting her from. It's other men. So that doesn't really count. That's almost like you're trying to run a protection racket where you say that your protection is needed, but you're part of the problem that needs protecting from. That's exactly it. Like men's protection is like a mafia racketeering (laughs) thing. It's like they create the problem and then offer themselves up as the solution to it. Textbook Massimo. Textbook Massimo. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like, so I'll protect you from myself. And then also men's protection is very conditional. (laughs) Men's protection is also very conditional. Like there have been so many times in relationships where a man, and this is pre FDS, by the way, where like a guy would like withdraw the protective things that he did if he was like mad at me or something. Like, for example, like he used to walk me home at night or, you know, make sure that I got home safe or something. And then like, if we got in an argument or something, he'd like leave the restaurant and then like expect me to get home like by myself or something. Right. Like, so understand that like men's quote unquote protection comes with a lot of control and it's very conditional and on like you behaving in a certain way. And the moment you stop behaving that way, that protection will be withdrawn. But in general, men should add value to your life and like, uh, financial, emotional, you know, support everything kind of way. Right. And it's not unreasonable to want a man to make your life easier. That's what men expect from women all the time. I think I remember the post you're talking about. Men have no clue why women even bother. (laughs) It was the post, right? And it was a post about like us asking men what value they bring to women and then not having a clue as to what it is, like just not being able to describe it whatsoever. And I'm like, this is a problem. 
Can we link that in the show notes? Like, Yeah, I'll see if I can find it on the website. And there was another viral tweet thread that was very similar to that with a lot of men realizing like, oh, this is the first generation of men who have actually had to make themselves likable to women because they can't just get women on a curve anymore because we are financially dependent on them. And a lot of guys are failing. Like they don't have the first or foggiest clue how to actually be attractive to women. And in that gap of understanding, the manosphere just kind of rose up. And the manosphere was bound to happen anyways because each generation comes with this new they rediscover patriarchy and misogyny and every single generation of men thinks it's something new and novel, but it's just a system of oppression to women. But the way the manosphere took off is in that gap and in that vacuum between what they felt or what they were told was attractive to women or like what they said they were going to get or the entitlement they felt to women based on the standards that their fathers and grandfathers had because women didn't have any rights back then and then what they're actually getting right now. And they're pissed the fuck off, but it's like saying like you're mad because slavery ended, right? Like none of us care, right? Like none of us care that like you can't get a woman now because you're not actually attractive to women. Or I see a lot of guys complaining that like the amount of effort that it takes to get a woman isn't even worth it anymore because the women don't cook or clean for you. They don't serve you. They don't submit to you anymore. Like, why would I do all this work of becoming a fully well-rounded human being with good people skills and solve this and do all this stuff just to get a woman who won't even serve me? And it's like, okay, then don't have a family. Honestly, men like that, I don't want them to have partners or families because children learn by modeling their parents' behavior. Men like that, I don't want them to have any influence on the next generation in any capacity, right? So I actually think it's a good thing that those sorts of men are just giving up on relationships and are just choosing not to pursue women anymore. So good for them. I agree. (laughs) A lot of men are unfortunately just not going to be able to adapt to the new reality of like, a partner is supposed to be someone that you, you know, that is, it's a partnership, not like a master slave relationship. And a lot of men just aren't cut out for that. Yeah. And again, I think that is where a high value man will be different in that they will see their partner or their woman as somebody who is a fully realized human being. And he will know what he has to offer as well and what she has to offer. It wouldn't just be a case of, you know, him just saying, because I'm a man, then I deserve all of this. Or because I'm a man, I deserve like, basically a slave. Like he'll also know what he has to offer as well. And, you know, questions like, oh, so what do women bring to the table? It won't even come out of his mouth because he'll understand the value of what women bring to his life as well. He'll understand that women have inherent value. Like a lot of these guys who are like, oh, what do the, these women bring to the table? It's like they're misogynistic. They don't see women as valuable unless they fit a very specific role in their life. Yeah, as like Mommy McBang made. And even then, like they don't value those women, by the way. Even the women who do serve them, they don't value that, right? So obviously they're going to be like, oh, well, what do they bring to the table? Again, they don't value women, right? So no point in trying to have a relationship with them. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so moving on to the final section of this episode, and we just want to briefly touch on, so how can you find a high value man? And I would actually say, like, you know, this is where it might pay to try to expand your high value friendships as well. Because a lot of the the high value relationships that I know in real life or the high value people I know who are in relationships, they actually met through friends of another friend. So like a party or a wedding or that sort of event as well. So, So they did actually meet in person. And even if, you know, say you come across a guy who is high value, but you're not compatible because that can also be another 
connection that you know in case he might have high value friends that you are compatible with I don't necessarily believe that just because you're not compatible with a man that automatically makes him low value like you can be incompatible with high value men as well and they're still useful to keep around as well so it's a win-win you can also meet them at work but I would be careful about workplace relationships especially if you are a woman because yeah tread carefully with that one I would say And preferably you would start a relationship maybe once you've either one of you have left the company or transferred to a different department. You wouldn't be having a relationship like, you know, whilst you're both active or highly active in the organization. Even if the relationship is fine, but people at work gossip, like one of my old jobs, they used to call it like incest college because so many people were like either dating or shagging somebody else. And... (laughs) It wasn't that pleasant because then their relationship became like the source of gossip and that's not really what you want. So just watch out for that as well. Online dating. Now this one will be controversial, but I personally think it is possible to find a high value man online dating. We did a good episode on OkCupid, which you might want to listen to if you want some further guest tips and advice on how to use dating apps in your favor. But for me, the best method is to mix in real life like meetings or trying to meet people in real life and online dating. I don't think, especially for a woman, online dating doesn't have to take up loads and loads of your time. Like I'm not quite fully understanding women who say that it takes up so, so much time. Like I would, like when I was actively dating or looking around, I would maybe swipe for maybe five minutes because if you have your standards and boundaries in place, it makes it much quicker to eliminate the men who will waste your time or who you're not compatible with. Like before you've even got to a conversation, yeah, like, what do you mean you're spending a lot of time on online dating? It's like... I don't. I personally don't get it, personally, but... Are you typing paragraphs to these men? Are you typing out a huge novel in your bio? You shouldn't be doing either of those, right? Low effort. Low effort online dating queen here, but... <laughs> yeah, like, pre-screen when you're swiping for all of the values-based questions that you want, then do, like, a Skype meeting so you're not having to drive all the way out to meet them anywhere. Uh, just give it, like, 15, 20 minutes. Make sure they're not a weirdo. Um, have a phone call with them and, you know, just do basic questions and then go ahead and go on a date if you like the guy. But yeah, you, you almost have to have a funnel system. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Where I feel like some women, like they just keep uh, going on these like coffee dates and like that can lead very quickly to exhaustion because some of these guys are crazy, right? And also like if you're still having to make an effort or create like a sense of intimacy by meeting this guy when you don't want to do that, you want to cut them off from the beginning if it's not going to go anywhere. And I think too many women invest too much in these guys up front without doing all that groundwork to cut them like weed the men out really really carefully before you actually go on a date yeah and even when you are dating as well there are ways to minimize the time investment on your part so when I was dating initially like dating my partner I would put him in the middle of the day like say between 12 and one o'clock so you've got actually one hour and that's it and then I'd have like meetings before and after so it wasn't a huge investment of my time but it was long enough to you know to vet so we didn't do dinners or like coffees out until I guess I felt comfortable that I would enjoy his company but an hour in a day, especially if you work remotely, you can easily fit that in. I should have said this earlier. The dating app you're doing this on really, really matters. Like I would waste my time on Tinder for that matter, because I can see with Tinder, there's virtually no way for you to narrow down the type of men that you want to talk to. So like you will be doing a shit ton of swiping and a shit ton of asking very basic questions. That's really, really exhausting. I would try to go towards the apps that give you more information up front so that you can make your decision up front. I think a lot of the women that are Tinderellas are probably the most exhausted. 
Yeah. To be fair, even Facebook dating allows you to filter based on like smoking status, their height, if they want children or not, if they're religious, even Facebook dating allows you to do that. So that will save you also a lot of time. Yes, men can lie. But again, at least if you've, you know, filtered out the people who don't meet your criteria, it's a lot more likely that you will meet someone who does as opposed to it being like a Tinder free fall where if you're a woman and a man, they'll just try and get you to match. Is Facebook dating still around? It's still around, yeah. Yeah, just curious. Never used it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I briefly used it. It wasn't great, but you can filter on certain characteristics and belief systems. So I guess in that regard, it's better than like Tinder. But And just to keep an open mind above all else, like we've previously said, I think it's possible to find like a high value man anywhere across all, I guess, social classes and tax brackets. That's not to say that women should date somebody outside of what they want, but they are out there and unfortunately there isn't a foolproof tip that will that will land you with a high value man because an element of this as well after having spoken to people I know who are in good relationships an element of it is luck at the same time and sometimes just being in the right place at the right time or having like you know the right connections at the right time can lead to that as well so there is an element that you can't necessarily control but in terms of the ones that you can it's you know really really worth investing investing in things like, you know, your social and professional circles in your work to some degree and keeping an open mind as well. Like that will all pay dividends regardless of whether or not you find a high value man, in my opinion. Ultimately, like people criticize like oh, FDS, they spent so much time like looking for a man kind of thing. But honestly, all of these things that it takes to quote unquote, find a high value man, you're investing in yourself and you're improving your quality of life in the process. Like the things that it takes to find a high value man, I don't know, get higher value friends, you know, talk to more people, improve your social skills. Those are things that are going to help you with work and in your personal life as well, right? Not just in dating. So yeah, it's not just about getting a man. It's about improving your overall quality of life, including your romantic area of your life. I guess as well, the reason why I'll just be open and honest here as well, but the reason why I'm so optimistic about finding like high value men anywhere is that I found my partner on Reddit of all like hellscapes. <laughs> of all places, yeah. <laughs> so just putting that out there. You're lucky. You've honestly, I think you manifested him by reading that book. You struck gold. You literally found a needle in a haystack. Yeah, sometimes I'm just like, it's actually kind of like weird how like similar they are. And I just found on Reddit of all places, but he's not like a hardcore Redditor, but yeah. Yeah, just a casual Reddit user. <laughs> Aw, that's cute. But yeah, let us know what you think. I mean, you know, what do you think a high value man looks like? Like, let us know in the comments, actually, and let me say that again. And so... And let us know what you think about the episode and your thoughts on what makes a high value man in the comments. We would love to read them. Yes. So that's our show. Check us out on Patreon for bonus content. And you can speak to us on the Discord about this episode and more. That's patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. Also check out our new and improved forum at the female dating strategy.com forward slash forum. If you want to go directly to the forum, also you can follow us on Twitter at fem.strat and also on Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scrote mathematicians out there, die mad. See y'all next week. See you next week. (laughs) 